Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. Racing over the 4th of July. The 4th of July is coming up and this is a very popular time to run a 5k or 10k race here in the U.S. However, this is also typically a very hot time of year, and this year there may not be any official races, but we are putting on a virtual race, a virtual four-mile race, to keep this tradition going. We will be discussing the details and how you can run your best race on the 4th of July, giving all of the circumstances that fall on this race. I have with me today Jason Phillippe, who is a coach here at Run for PRs. He has over a decade of coaching experience and has been running for over 20 years himself. We're just going to chat a little bit about approaching kind of the race day on the 4th of July and kind of what to expect in terms of temperature and, you know, obviously the virtual portion of this race, how to, you know, set yourself up for success there. So Jason, um, you've done a couple of 4th of July races. You've done some races in the middle of the summer. I know we've done some races that you know are later in the day, so it's been over 100 degrees on those days. Um, it can be pretty brutal. So how would you approach racing in the middle of the summer? Yeah, definitely is always a fun time to be running because you're usually experiencing the hottest months of the year, right? And so um, you know, the, the nice thing about running a race around the 4th of July is that there's a there's a ton of people and they're all suffering with you. And a lot of times it's a different race distance than what you might be used to. If it's on the fourth, a lot of places have four mile races. And so, you know, there's not very many opportunities to run a four mile race throughout the year. Um, so I've even done, I think a two mile race before in a small town, Wisconsin. So, I mean, there's just a lot of opportunities for races. A lot of communities have their celebration that weekend. So they offer races and, um, it's fun to try a local race and just do it, do it more as like a, a hard training run. I don't know about like trying to race for a PR and whatnot, but it, it really depends. Um, and then too, like here in Minnesota, we don't, where in the past we've done a 5k right around the fourth it's usually like a week or so after and that's a really competitive race and so that's a chance for people to pr if you're in really good shape and if you kind of luck out with the weather not being extremely humid but um you know it's guaranteed to be warm so it's obviously something to think about when you're training for that uh i think just going in with with a goal in mind that's going to align you, you know, with your future goals for the fall, whatever it is, let's say you're training for maybe a 10 mile race or something like that in the fall, you know, just trying to run a respectable time that kind of sets you up for success and don't be so, um, you know, so hard on yourself as far as wanting to run a certain time, because obviously we, we know that we need to adjust our expectations if it's, if it's hot. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. You know, adjusting your expectations in the heat. Uh, I guess like for you personally, I feel like you run pretty well in the heat. You know, I've I've seen you do some races and pretty close to PR during, you know, really hot days, which I always find really interesting because I feel like some people, the heat doesn't really affect them as much. And so it can be really hard, you know, in a racing environment or being in an online community where you see, you know, maybe people you're competitive with and you're like, what the heck? How, how are they running so fast when it's so hot? Um, but like I'm slowing down or whatever. And I guess 
me being someone that it's been like hit or miss, but I, I can run pretty well in the heat. Whereas maybe like someone else uh, I can think of that comes to mind, um, just really like struggles. And so how, how do you know, like if it's going to be harder for you or how do you like really understand like how the heat's going to impact you personally versus, you know, your comp competitor? Yeah. I think, you know, the only way we're going to know is through experience. So it depends on how many times you've ran in the heat before and, and your outcome. You may have ran well in certain races and not so well in other races. And it could be, you know, based on the training leading up to that point, like maybe you were more fit. Uh, maybe maybe the humidity was different on, on one race versus the other. I mean, there's so many factors that go into it. I think the biggest thing is just not allowing, you know, what you see on social media to um, – you know, affect your, you know, that affect your negative thoughts about yourself. So I think it's really key to just be, you know, just be kind of open about the time that you run. Don't be so hard on yourself. And it it could vary based on so many factors and, um, the time of day as well. And, and maybe how hydrated you were. I think that that, that can be a huge factor, especially if you've notoriously ran well in the heat, that doesn't mean you're guaranteed to run well in this next race in the heat. You know, you can still have a bad, bad race and vice versa. Maybe you've always kind of done poorly in the heat. Well, now your training has been better. And so you may actually end up running decent and faster than you thought you were capable of doing. So I think that that just goes to show you to never uh, read into one race too much. Right. I think that's really good advice. And another thing to understand, you know, going into this race, you've probably had a few workouts that are in the heat. You know, you've gotten a few runs that are in the humidity and the heat and you kind of know how it affects you. So, you know, based on just those runs alone this season, you can kind of come up with a good goal or, you know, a good range. You know, maybe you've been slowing down 30 seconds per mile. And so maybe that's what you should set yourself up to do um, in this race or, you know, the virtual race that we're doing here. Um, but another, another topic, you know, cause we're talking about this race and, you know, the 4th of July, when it comes to my mind, I'm not thinking like, you know, a race, I'm not thinking this is, you know, the race where I've put all of my eggs in this basket. It's really important for me to PR. Um, have you ever done a race just more of like as a training race and how does that look like just doing a running a race to run it? is a workout versus racing a race. And would you ever suggest that someone, um, for like the 4th of July race would just run the race, like as a workout versus racing it? And how would that look? Um, yeah, I mean, I would recommend it. It's really going to boil down to what other kind of races you have on the calendar, because, you know, if it's our only race for that whole month or whatever, it's going to be hard to really scale back the effort. Right. And, and tell ourselves, Oh, I'm just going to treat this like a workout. Um, but it is possible, and I think that it's going to depend on, you know, the just the, rate, the race atmosphere, maybe the course, the weather, all those factors. Like, do you have a chance to run a, a pretty good time, you know? Because for some of us, you know, the heat really would only slow us down. Maybe, you know, if it's a 5K, maybe it's only like 5 to 8 seconds per mile. Um, so we can still salvage a pretty good race in a time that we're going to be satisfied with. Um, so for that, for those types of uh, situations, it may be smart to go out and race, and especially if it's a competitive field, you know, you might surprise yourself um if you're just kind of let's say you just didn't really plan on doing a race and you find out there's a race this weekend at at your you know at your friend's cabin or whatever and you just want to hop in for fun i think those are the times where you're probably just going to take it more as like a workout and i i always try to approach mine as more of a progression just to see if i can you know meet that physical challenge of cutting down the miles and it's a it's a good way to stay motivated throughout the race too when things start to get hard so um and then that also helps me not go out too hard. And so I'm in a better spot physically and mentally halfway through the race. But, um, yeah, I think there's a time and place for treating the races like 
uh, uh, like a hard workout versus an actual race. And it really depends on what you're hoping to get out of it um, and what else you have kind of on the horizon as far as other um, hard workouts or races coming up. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I see a lot of people just at various times a year, you know, on social media or whatever, and, and they label races as workouts. And, you know, I've definitely been guilty of that. You know, I did I did a turkey trot back in November and it was icy. And so like I didn't run the time I wanted. So I called it like a quality workout on Strava, which I felt kind of stupid writing because I was like, it wasn't like I was pushing myself way more than a workout. But at the end of the day, because I couldn't run the time that I hoped because of the ice and because of the race conditions um, and the weather, I, I called it a workout. <laughs> um, so I think sometimes mentally it can make you feel better about yourself. And I've seen other people kind of follow suit with that. Like they're like, it was a quality workout. Um, but I think sometimes going into races where, you know, let's say you're checking the, the temperature, you know, you're, you're a couple weeks off for the dry and you see like, 90 degrees and a low of 75 and like you wake up in the morning and you can just see the haze of humidity and like it just you look on your little app and this is 100% humidity like dew point of 70 it just it sounds miserable and really I mean when you when it boils down to it you can't race to your potential in that sort of heat um, I don't care what anyone tells you, like you can't. So you're going to have physical limitations with that heat. Um, so, you know, if it makes you feel better about it, call it a workout, right? You know, because you're not going to be able to run your goal time. Um, so, I mean, whatever, whatever makes you happy or whatever makes you feel better about it. Because for me, I would like to call it a workout and then just have that ability to start slower, you know, mentally and use it more of as, as a progression run and feel good during it than, you know, head out there and say, I want a gun for a certain time and, and then just fall apart because you're physically not able to hit the time you wanted. Kind of with the turkey trot, like I knew the first mile was way too icy and not worth the risk of hitting, you know, 6.15 pace. I, I slowed down to, you know, 6.25. So it's just like even 10 seconds per mile, it doesn't seem like a lot, but over the course of, you know, a, a 10K, that's a minute. And so if you had a time goal in mind and you, you go out a minute faster than what you're physically capable of doing, it's going to really, really hurt at the end and just be a miserable experience. So I think starting slower, maybe even just going into it with the mindset of it's a, it's a workout rather than it's a race because you know, the weather is just straight up brutal this time of year and you're not probably going to PR unless you're in like super good shape compared to the last time you ran this distance. So do you think that the 4th of July races just because of the heat, the temperature, the time of year, are they even like worth it for people? Kind of what's the point? Yeah. I mean, I, I still think there's a point to doing it, you know, it's, it's still a good chance to go through the whole routine of getting, you know, going through the races. And especially if, if we don't do a, a lot of races, it can be really good just to have to put ourselves through this situation so that we're not like super nervous when we get to our next, you know, goal race or whatever. Um, and it's good for our bodies to go through, you know, close to a max effort. I think, uh, even though it's going to be hot, you know, we can still, we can still go out there and compete. And I think that that's good to be training your competitive mindset. Um, and even if you're going to treat it like a workout, it's still, it still has benefits. You know, you're still having to, you know, for example, show discipline, show patience, like try to execute a pace or a strategy and not go too fast. So I think that those benefits can definitely, um, you know, help you with your, with your running and just becoming a, 
um, just a better runner in general who has more autonomy and more control over what they want to do. Um, and then as far as adjusting, yeah, adjusting those paces, you mentioned the heat, you know, there's, I mentioned this on another podcast recently about the pace adjustment calculators that exist out there. Um, maybe utilizing that to, to look at, um, how, how much we should slow down and not comparing ourselves to others because, you know, a person that's trying to average like, you know, five twenty pace or whatever, they may only slow down 20 seconds, whereas someone who's averaging maybe seven or seven thirty pace, the calculators may tell them to slow down by about 35 to 40 seconds per mile. So it really depends on kind of, cause it's a percentage of your pace. So I think that it's important to not compare yourselves to others and to really just go off a of feel in those races and, um, you know, have fun with it because chances are, you know, most of us, if the temperatures are higher than 70 degrees, it's going to, it's for sure going to slow us down. Um, you know, the, the, the studies show the research is out there that, you know, prime conditions for a shorter race, like 5k it needs to be 60 degrees or cooler. Um, and it's only going to get harder to run closer to, a you know, a closer to your uh, full potential, the longer the race goes. Right. And I also think, you know, there's something to be said about training hard in the heat and humidity. So it's brutal when you're in it and, you know, doing this as a workout or as a race, it's just another way to push yourself in the heat um, and get a little stress in your body. Cause they say, you know, humidity is poor man's altitude training, right? So the idea is that you're making physical adaptations during the summer that later in the fall, when the temperatures do drop, you're actually going to become faster. And I vividly remember in July of this year, you know, it was a super hot day. I, I got out on the track by 530, you know, the sun was out already, but um, it was, you know, 75 degrees, 90% humidity, whatever. I had to do like six by 1K. So that's six, I mean, that's like four minute intervals, right? Um, I could barely hit 6.30 pace and I had to walk in between. I just remember gasping for air in between reps and just being so out of breath and wondering what is going on? Like this pace shouldn't be this hard. Um, and it can be a real mind game, you know, because you're thinking like this pace wasn't this hard a couple weeks ago. Is it the heat or is am I literally losing fitness? Um, but really just leaning in and trusting being like, all right, like this is really what happens. You know, your paces are going to slow down and no one's really, you know, invincible from it. And uh, later, you know, just three months later, I ran a 10 mile race, 10 miles, right? <laughs> all at once at 624 pace. So, you know, you might be really frustrated because you, for four-minute intervals, can't even hit the same pace that you can run 10 miles at um, in the fall. But that's okay and that's fine because things happen, adaptations are happening, um, and you just got to lean in and trust the process. What you don't want to do is, you know, fight with yourself, get low on yourself. You just want to, like, lean into it and really just get into it and think to yourself, like, this is like training at altitude, right? So if you were at altitude, you'd be okay with slowing down. You would understand same goes for your humidity. Um, another thing, you know, it can be like deceiving to look at other people's Stravas or their races, especially this time of year, because a lot of these runs are going to be virtual, right? So it's not like you can compare to people locally. So, you know, if we're up in Minnesota and we just happen to have like a cooler day, you know, it could be 60 degrees when we do ours. So you could see people hitting really fast times. Um, whereas if you're in Texas, Southern Texas, it could be over a hundred degrees by the time you're doing yours and you could just literally have to walk during it. So it's just really important to understand, like not to compare to other people 
And to know that what you're doing right now is building towards something that's really, really good. And later this fall, you're going to feel the effects of this in a beneficial way when the temperatures drops. Um, So I guess in terms of PRs, just because we mentioned this, do you ever see people set PRs over the 4th of July? Yeah, I mean, it is possible. Again, it's going to go back to kind of what is the race distance? How frequent are you running those races because I know if it's a four mile race, you probably only get one or two chances a year to run it. And you may only be comparing your times from that race from the previous year, um, which is usually ran in similar conditions. So um, there also might be those people that PR, let's say it's a 5k, 10k or whatever. And so obviously you get opportunities to run those throughout the year. Um, You know, if you're running a PR on the 4th of July or that weekend, when it's probably warmer, there's a good chance that Um, you know, you executed a great race plan. There's a good chance you were pretty fit coming into the race. And so, you know, your workouts really indicated that you not only would, you know, PR by a lot on a nice cool weather day, but also you'd be able to do that in the heat, um, depending on, you know, kind of how, how much fitness gains you've made and what your old PRs were and stuff. So I think, you know, we're going, we're going to see it. We're going to see people who run PRs over the 4th of July, whether it's virtual or hopefully there's in-person races, but, um, it's, you know, again, we're not comparing ourselves to the other people because we don't know what their training is or their race history or any of that. You know, we just know what we've been doing and what we're capable of. So I think setting a realistic goal for yourself and, you know, I'll take myself, for example, I know I'm not going to PR in a 5k, but if I can get, if I can get like probably within 40 seconds of my PR, I know that I'm really fit for kind of the age and shape that I'm in right now. So that would be like a good goal I'd set for myself for a July race. And so just kind of doing the same for yourselves, like analyzing what would be considered a, a good performance for you based on um, the time and the, you know, the, the shape that you're in right now. Yeah, that's really good to just focus on yourself and not really fall into that comparison trap that can be so easy. Um, you know, we've kind of talked about the temperatures and adjusting goals and, and knowing yourself as an athlete. You know, a couple of summers ago, we talked about, you know, leaving a journal, like a training journal that says the temperature and kind of how your paces were affected and knowing just how um, your paces are affected, that can really help you with your whole summer training because, you know, you can use those pace converger calculators, but sometimes they're not always accurate. You know, maybe you slow down a little bit more or maybe you don't slow down as much. Um, I find they're pretty accurate for me when I, when I plug it in. Um, but you know, it's just good to know your body and to know how it's going to impact you because sometimes, you know, your coach, they aren't able to check the weather of, you know, your workouts every day and give you feedback. Um, it's better just to kind of know, okay, it's 80 degrees. I'm adjusting by 30 seconds per mile or whatever it is. Um, and I guess how would you approach kind of just the pacing plan in general going into these races? So we know, you know, obviously paces are going to be adjusted based on the temperature and you can use a calculator for that, but how would you just approach like pacing a shorter distance race? So we're doing a four mile, so I'll do a four mile example. I know you kind of have coached college cross country before where they've done, um, 6k and a 6k is just short of four miles. So I think you kind of know, um, that pacing plan pretty well. How would you approach a four mile race? Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, the, the best way would be, you know, you want to get out a little bit kind of similar to a five, 5k where you kind of get out fast, but then you settle in and you definitely want to be probably running a consistent pace from about, um, you know, 0.3.4 all the way till you get to about, you know, close to three miles in. So, 
So that, what is that? That's probably 70% of your race is going to be, you know, averaging a, a, a consistent pace. So um, you can also set it up where you run a negative split and that would be great, but that's kind of how I would approach it. So your first like uh, two minutes, you're maybe, you know, if you look at your pace, obviously afterwards, it's probably going to look kind of fast because you're getting out your establishing position. And then your last mile should really be your fastest where you're trying to press down the pace and you're really picking it up. So that's how I would approach it. Just kind of, you know, it's a little extension from a 5k. So it's not totally different, but you definitely don't want to be coming through three miles gas because you got to have a lot left in the tank to finish that last, you know, fourth mile. So, um, it's kind of like, you know, how I would also tell my guys when they're running an AK, which is closer to five miles, you know, basically running that the same way, um, breaking the, the race into about three parts or three or four parts. And then just mentally re- giving yourself those reminders of like what to be thinking about, um, and what to be focusing on during those parts in the race to make, to make sure that you're, um, gonna, you know, have enough to finish strong at the end. Yeah, I think those are all really good points. And one of the biggest things I always tell my athletes um, when they're training or doing like a 5K race, which is kind of the closest thing I can think of, um, is, you know, that first mile should feel more of like a tempo. You know, you you don't want it to feel like you're racing and you really want to be in control. Um, And then, you know, you want to focus on that negative split. I always find that, you know, that second mile can sometimes be really hard because, you don't have like that adrenaline of the first mile, but you're starting to realize, okay, like I'm pushing myself pretty hard here and I still have over half of the race to go. Um, so I think just keeping in control that first half and then the second half, just really pushing yourself and going for it, um, is really going to be important. And then just knowing that if it's a virtual race, it can be a lot harder to push yourself at the end just because there is no competition around you. Um, there's no crowd support. There's no one to chase after. I know that can definitely be, um, negative on the motivation but you know if you're looking at your watch sometimes for me my biggest thing is I don't want to see like my average pace slow so I always keep my watch on lap pace um and then I just don't like to see me running slower than the mile before and so I'll just that'll be my motivation like if there's no one around or if I'm doing a race by myself I always try to say okay at least maintain um the pace of the mile before or you know if you're having a really off day and you just feel like crap or you started too fast I think just setting some sort of time range in your head like okay like maybe you know I'm slowing down a lot but if I can just run this mile in like instead of a 630 if I can just run it in a under just right under seven um that would be my motivation and so sometimes I will shift my motivation that way when there's no one around. And I think that can be really good um, just mentally for staying motivated because honestly, when you're out there by yourself, it can be really tough. Um, So just coming up with like a numeric thing or I'd say, okay, like you've ran this how many times before? Like you can get home, like you know this route, like just push through, um, it'll all be fine. Um, But I know, you know, being by yourself can be really like a mental thing and it's tough to push yourself and race on routes where you're used to doing your easy runs. Um, cause you know, I've done a couple of the virtual races so far and it's just like, it can be, be tough, but also at the same time you have the benefit of knowing the route and knowing, you know, your neighborhood and and being able to stop your watch exactly at four miles (laughs) instead of having to, you know, it could be a long course or whatever on race day. 
Um, so are there other considerations in terms of like if someone had a long run this weekend instead, like should they do the race instead of a long run? Should they add on mileage? I know we kind of have talked about avoiding, um, you know, overtraining, especially during this time, we want to make sure we're not overdoing it. So what should, would you recommend? Yeah, this is where I would really, you know, it's going to be an individualized answer based on like your training and your mileage, how what you're used to doing too for long runs. So for some athletes, I may say, you know, you can do your, your race on the Saturday um, and then we can do an easy long run the next day. And it may not be, you know, obviously this depends on the race distance. If it's like a 10 mile race, I'm not going to have them do a long run the next day. But if it's a 5K or 4 mile, yes. If they've been running consistently and their training's going well, they can do an easy, you know, 10 mile run or whatever the next day. But for some people, I may have them just embed the, or have that be kind of the long run. So I may have them do a mile or two warm up, mile or two cool down. So they get, you know, six, eight miles in for the day. And we call that their long run because, hey, that was their taxing session for the week. And we don't want them to, we want to give their muscles a break too. Um, and so we don't want to do two days back to back where they're, you know, they're out there for over an hour each day. And, and that can be, um, take, that can take a toll on you. So again, this is all going to depend on how many miles you're running, um, how often you race, what do your workouts look like, all of that. So um, kind of an individualized answer there. But I think that, yeah, the, the, the big thing is not trying to, you know, do too much. Um, and what, I forget, what day does the fourth land on this week? Is it a, a it might be a Friday. So, you know, that, that may give you some, like an extra day there where you could, um, it's actually a Thursday. So you could do, nope, sorry, I was looking at June. It is a Saturday this year. So July 4th um, is a Saturday. So yeah, chances are you're going to want to um, think about that ahead of time and what you do as far as your long run schedule. And, and you know, this might be a good time unless you have a marathon coming up in the fall, you may just can your long run for that weekend and just have that be kind of your, your um, put that in place of it. So you don't need to be doing long runs every single week. And I think it'd be a good time to give your body a break. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I would take it as a welcome break. <laughs> I'm not doing a long run, right? So it gives you a little bit more variety. Uh, I wouldn't even try to add on like long warm up, cool down. You know, it's four miles. Uh, it's just, it's not worth it to do like 10 extra miles that day for me. Um, I would just, you know, call it a day. Uh, it's a quality workout. Um, it's a stress session. And so, you know, give your body a little bit of rest after and enjoy. Um, do your long run the next weekend. Uh, one One week off from a long run is actually beneficial um we kind of talked about that before and yeah I think this is a really good podcast in terms of pacing and just everything going into this race I know this is kind of a different time you know with everything being virtual and and uh all that but it gives some really good tips for people who are hoping to do this four mile race or maybe they're lucky enough to maybe do an in-person race which would be pretty pretty surprising for me but you know those smaller races you never know uh, so yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this. And if you ever want training or you want to try out some workouts, cause you're kind of hitting that, that point right now where you're like, I, I need some variety, need some accountability. You want to try something new. Um, you can visit our website, www.runforprs.co, uh, fill out the form there and we can get you set up on a free seven day trial. Um, and then yeah, we can get you set up with a coach right away. So thanks for tuning in. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at any time. Thanks.